Oh boy, wasn't that fun? Doesn't that get your motor running? So let's stand up and sing, I know whom I have believed. Yeah. 
Uh, the song we're getting ready to do is called Fear is a Liar uh, by Zach Williams. I looked at the video again this morning. And if you get a chance, go online and look at that. It's, uh, the video depicts the struggles of three people. Um, and uh, one, I believe, lost a job. The other's going through cancer. And the other one's a teenager who is uh, being bullied. And uh, I, I believe in the video, all three are contemplating suicide. And that's kind of what the, uh, what the video speaks to. Fear is a liar. Don't listen to fear. Takes a second.
let your fire fall, your love is on the feet. Let your fire fall. Thank you so much, all of you, and uh, what a great, great praise team and a great message. Fear is a liar, and uh, we're here before the God who casts out all fear. So thank you, thank you, and uh, pray that uh, that God speaks and God works. And uh, you know, this past week I've been at a youth camp in Boone at, at First Baptist Boone, our Deep Impact Camp. We had about eighty kids, and uh, it's an amazing thing. And so with the group that's leaving from here in a couple of days. I pray that God will will work in their lives and He'll He'll move them, and uh, about a week from now they'll be back, and they'll be changed because God has taken control of their lives and hearts. And you've been planting seeds in their lives for years, and as God grows those seeds, uh, He'll establish His kingdom here in their lives and in their hearts, and then expand His influence here in our world. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today in, in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and we'll look, uh, we'll look later on uh, at another passage in John 15. But Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, a tremendous, tremendous story that isn't just about evangelism, but it's about us bearing fruit for the kingdom, beginning with verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Bow with me now as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, what you've got prepared for us. Thank you, God, uh, for what you have in store. We surrender to you to do what you want, to have your way. And God, we pray that our lives would be fertile ground and we would produce fruit 
that would bring glory to you. Uh, God, we thank you as we offer this prayer and offer ourselves into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You know, this this parable, we, we talk about it a lot of times and think about evangelism, and it most certainly does talk about that. You're sowing the seeds of the gospel, and you're, you're casting out everywhere. And, then, you know, we, we plan a little differently than, than, than they did back then. We don't plant so much uh, by casting seed by hand anymore. But when a, a farmer did that, they weren't really being indiscriminate. They, they, were, they were planting it in their field. But some of it fell in the different places, and some of it did fall on hard ground, and, and birds picked it up. And just a, a few verses later, later in that chapter, Jesus explains this parable. So the, the seed that, that falls onto the hard ground, beginning in, in verse 18, Jesus explains it. The parable of the sower is therefore like this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, and the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, that is he who receives seed by the wayside. And when you look at, at your life and my life, the, the fact is that God intends on you and me bearing fruit for him. He intends on us multiplying. So in evangelism, yes, we're going to do that, but we're also going to bear fruit in, in other ways. All the, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be evident in our life, and the fruits of, of us laboring for his kingdom are going to produce many, many times over. You know, I shared that I was at the youth uh, mission camp. Well, we had a great week. Uh, I enjoyed it. But there was, there was one night that, uh, that, that really struck a chord in me. Uh, there, there was a, a pastor of a church down. He actually, I found out, I've never met this guy, but I found out he lives about three miles from me. And he was talking about different places. And I said, wait a minute, where are you from? And when he told me where he lived, I said, I, you turn, you turn left and then right, and I'm about three miles from you. That's it. It's easy to get to where I am. But one night, there, we had worship on Wednesday night. It was, a, I think, a, a special time when God spoke. Then the groups went to devotion. Well, after devotion, this pastor that I had just talked to that morning at breakfast, he came up, and, and I was impressed by him and his spirit. He came up, and he said, Man, we had the greatest thing happen in our devotion we have one of our kids that, that we've been ministering to and working with. Said he came up in group devotion and he said, "You know, I want to give my life to Christ and I want to be baptized. And I mean, I want to be baptized now." And I said, "Well, this, I mean, it's going to be dark in a few minutes." And he said, "Well, we're not going to do it tonight, but I've already talked to the pastor." And he said, "That was all the commotion you you saw after worship." And he said, "Tomorrow we're going down to the river. We're going to baptize that guy." And so the, I didn't know who the guy was, you know. And so the, during the, the next day, I talked to, to different people and had, had lunch and supper with different folks. And that night, we'd go down to the river. And there wasn't just one, there were two people. And what impressed me was this pastor at, at his church, and it's a new church, two-year-old church. See, they've been sowing seed. They've been casting seed out. And that particular young man's been a part of their, their church for a couple of years, but he hadn't ever responded. And in that particular moment, God caused that seed to, to, to blossom. But there was a big youth group from that church. There were other students in that group that, that it was like this. The seed's been sown, and it's been snatched away so far, so far. 
But the difference is in, in the church, in the body of Christ, we don't just sow one time. We keep on sowing. We keep on sowing. And Satan's going to snatch away some, but we keep on sowing. Like that young man, two years, two years that they had been sowing. And on that particular moment with that particular group of people, uh, God broke through. Well, in your life as a Christian, there are some seeds that God has sown in your life. And maybe you have been allowing Satan to snatch them away. Because we, we just sang, or our group sang, fear's a liar. Satan's going to use anything he can to snatch away the seeds that God plants. Anything. He'll use fear. He'll use procrastination. He'll use just a, 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 a set in our ways. And this is the way we're, it's going to be in my life. Uh, he'll use busyness. He'll use any number of things to snatch the seed away so that it doesn't take root. So in your life, as, as you, we get to the end of it, talking about producing uh, fruit, 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold, the beginning question this morning is, are you in your life producing fruit that brings glory to God? That for some of us, the answer is, and it, it may be in one particular area, and it may be in our entire life. You may be here this morning, and you've been in church for years, but you haven't allowed the seed of the kingdom of God to take root in your life, and therefore Satan's just been snatching it away. Well, this is another day when God's planting seed in your life. But there are other people, as you read down the second part, was the one that fell on stony patches, and, and the description for that begins in verse 20. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So again, think about your life. You, you may be in a place in your life when, when you're in one of, those, one of those scorching hard times. Just like our, our summer, you know, 100 degree heats and humid, and it, it can be just absolutely miserable. Or you may be spiritually in a point when it seems like that now, when the sun's bearing down, when it's just withering things and it's, it's hot. And if you don't have your, your roots tapped into something deep and something that provides nourishment, then, then you'll wither away. You wouldn't ever intentionally plant seed on a, on a pile of rocks and think anything was going to happen. When that rock heats up, it's going to scorch the roots and that plant's gone. But if we can put roots down deeper into the nourishing soil, we can survive those times. So spiritually, maybe this morning you're here and you're at a place in your life when, when you look back on the time when you just like that young man I saw a Wednesday night give his life to Christ and Thursday baptized. You may be at a point when you look back and you honestly say, I remember the joy I had when I gave my life to Christ. I remember what it was like. I remember how enthusiastic and passionate I was. But something's happened. I'm not where I was. You know, the easy answer for that is for us to say, well, I'm, I'm grown, I'm older, I'm more mature, you know, more things have happened in life, learned more. That Those things can all be true. But it can also be true that we didn't allow the gospel to penetrate deeply. And maybe our life is like that rocky ground. 
when the hard times came, it became easier to just fall away. And we don't want that to happen in our life, and God doesn't want it to happen. So spiritually, we need deep roots. The, the third group fell among thorns. Now he who received, this is verse 22 in, in chapter 13, he who received seed among the thorns, he who hears the word, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Now that may be the one that, that describes a lot of us. There are times in my life I've just, I've got to be honest and admit, when all the stuff going on, and it might even be good stuff, but it chokes out what God will want. I'm just, I'm busy. You're busy. We, we allow that to, to happen. And maybe it's even chasing after, uh, chasing after the riches of our world. I met a guy a few weeks ago who's in his last year of his doctor of pharmacy degree at Campbell. And he was sharing with me. He said, you know, I'm, I'm not always like my classmates. And, and I know that, that financially I'll be very blessed you know, in just a few months when I finish. But maybe that's not what God's got in store for me. He said, maybe God's calling me to walk away from it or to use it in a different manner, not in a commercial business, but maybe God's calling me to use it in a ministry. And he was saying, I'm, I'm chasing after something, but would God have me do that? And I had tell, told him, I said, I can't answer what God would, is calling you to do. It's different for different people. But the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of this world can choke things out because it, it grows up. You know, a weed grows fast. Before you turn around, there are just weeds. I got a, a little strip of some vegetables planted behind and beside my house and what, what ought to be flower beds, but I put vegetables in there. And the week I was gone, in the, in the very back of it, right up against the house where it's, it's warm and in the shade, not quite as hot and all, the, the grass has just come right on up. In one week, it, it grew probably three inches. And I'm like, it, it right out there in the yard, it didn't grow that much, but here it did. Well, the cares of this world can spring up just like that. They can do it fast. So again, looking back at our lives... We may have to be honest and say, we're, hey, we're just like this verse says, that they choke the word and we become unfruitful. You know, I wouldn't put any care much into a plant in that little garden I've got that wasn't producing fruit. I'm not going to waste my water and fertilizer on something that's not going to be fruitful. God wants you and me to be fruitful. He wants us to be described in this fourth group. He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. It just keeps growing and growing and giving and giving and blossoming and, and flourishing. Now spiritually, that's what God wants from his followers. He wants us to produce fruit. He wants the folks outside of, of his kingdom, outside of the, the body of Christ, to look at our lives and to see the fruit. And it's just it's hanging there and it's covering up our lives 30, 60, 100 fold. And it's just it's, it's everywhere. And he wants them to look and to see it and say, I, I, I want my life to be like that. So the question for us is we talk about the soils. And you've got the three... Bad, difficult places where the seed snatched, 
where the seed or the plant withers, and then where the plant's choked out, and then you've got the one good soil where it produces tremendous fruit. So for you and me, if we want to be fruit-bearing Christians, what do we have to do? Well, in John chapter 15, Jesus really describes it. He's going back to, to what it takes to bear fruit. And in John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, Jesus is teaching and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. And abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You know, when I read those verses and read that, that scripture, it penetrates me to the heart because abiding is something very, very different from just knowing. You know, when I know the, the Word and I, I read the Word, that's not always the same as letting it penetrate and, and go deep, just, just like the soil parable, letting the Word of God get deep into my heart and deep into my soul and completely cover me and, and take root in me. I mentioned the little bed, and I mean, it's a small bed. It's like three feet wide and the, the length of the back of my house and, and one on the other side, about this, about half that size. Well, when I was getting ready to do it, there was the, the grass, the regular old yard grass that, that I, I sprayed and I killed, and apparently I didn't do that good a job against the house because it came up at the back. But then I put the, the good dirt on top of it, and, and put the, the little seedlings, tomatoes and okra and squash and zucchini, that kind of stuff, and basil. And I put it in there, and I particularly took the post hole diggers and dug holes in, in some of it, because that yard grass, it, you know, it's just it's tough and kind of clay and almost. Well, I, I took that out and I put some good dirt in there, creating a place where the roots could go down and go deep. And as I did it a, a few months ago, a couple months ago, I'm thinking about it. Well, spiritually, you know, maybe my life and my heart is like that place where the grass is growing. And that's just, that's the way it is. That's the way a yard is. But that's not the way you're going to do something when you want to produce fruit. You've got to break up what's already there and you've got to create a different environment for the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ to grow in your life. Just like I did for a squash plant. And Jesus says here that he's the vine. And that without abiding in him and him in us. We're not going to produce anything. Nothing. Nothing. We might do stuff but we're not going to produce stuff. And then he says the part that I, I really in a lot of ways prefer 
prefer not to have happen. He says that the vine dresser, God's going to prune us. God's going to clip those parts off that are unproductive, that don't produce fruit. You know, when I was a kid and, and everybody, I don't think folks do it quite as much or doesn't seem to be as much now, but back then, everywhere I went, there were grapevine different things, grapevine wreaths and grapevine baskets and grapevine, all kind of stuff. And as a kid, I kept thinking, man, where, where do all these grapevine things come from? What did they do? Cut down all the grapevines. No, they didn't cut them down. They pruned them. And you, and you know how this works. They've got to prune them so the new part will produce grapes. If they don't prune them, the productivity of the vine just almost ceases. So those grapevine wreaths and things that they sold at craft stores were actually the result of a knowing vine dresser pruning the vine. And so what God does in your life and my life is He cuts away the unproductive parts, not because He wants to punish us, but because He wants us to produce more. Uh, last summer was the first summer I had planted anything in my yard. You know, it's, it's different to, to do a row crop where you, you plant it and you don't, well, tobacco, you basically prune it when you're suckering it. But I had some basil plants and about the time I planted them and a few weeks later my wife got sick and, and uh, had a, a pretty serious infection, almost killed her. And so for a week or two, I didn't really do much. I may have sprayed some water on them, but it was in May and early June. It wasn't as important then. Well, a friend came by and was looking, and I had those, you know, basil plants were tall, and, and she looked at it, and she started picking the, the white little flowers off of it. Well, I hadn't paid any attention to the stuff. I didn't know anything about it, and to be honest, I did it just to do it. And, and I, I said, well, what, you know, what are you picking the white off for? And she said, well... Every time these things blossom, it means that your plants go into seed. And if you don't pick these white things off, it's going to stop growing. And you're not going to have any basil that you can make pesto or put on your pizza or whatever. So you got to do this for this plant to be worth anything. Otherwise, it's just, it's just growing and it's going to be a bitter and a useless herb. So that was a quick lesson in what, what God's saying right here. He prunes us so that we'll produce more. The tobacco farmers, you get the suckers off so that the, the plant will produce more, will grow more. In our spiritual lives, God takes the parts off that are unproductive, not as punishment, but really as a reward so that we will produce more for Him. He wants us to produce fruit. He wants fruit to come in our lives. He wants to bless us. And this, this abiding part, he's saying if we're not grafted in to the vine, we're not grafted into Jesus Christ, but we're doing this on our own, in our own lives, we're not going to do anything. But then this incredible verse, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You know, abiding. We've mentioned this before, but what you wake up thinking about, what you, you wake up with your plans for the day, when Jesus Christ has complete control, and you, you dwell on that throughout the day. In your spare time, it's what you think about. And Jesus says, abide in me, and you'll ask what you desire, 
and it'll be done for you. Now, does that mean God's like a, a big giant Santa Claus and we can say, here's my, my wish list and ask anything we want and we're going to get it? Well, yes and no. Yes, he says, if you abide in me, ask anything you desire and it'll be given to you. But what God will do when we're in Christ is he'll change what we want. He'll change what we desire. Our desires aren't going to necessarily be for the, the new car or the new golf shoes or, or you know, the bigger house or, or more leisure time. Our desires are going to be kingdom desires, and very often we're going to passionately beg God, God, will you work in the life of my friends? God, will you allow me to do things that other people will see? And just like this scripture says, the Father will be glorified through my life. The people will look at my life and they'll see, God, they won't see me. That you'll take complete and absolute control, Lord. You know, I want to be in you so that you flourish through me. You know, God's got a plan for each of our lives and it's a particular plan and it's not a, it's not a generic plan and He finds a way to use us but especially designed for us. God handcrafted you for a purpose. And He wants fruit to come up in your life to bring glory to God the Father. And He actually plans to use you to do things that nobody else can do. That's what God desires. But we'll only do that when we allow Jesus Christ to have control. You know, last year at the end of the, the garden season, it was, it was funny because I'd planted the tomatoes and you know how they grow. They, they got big. And once they died, the, the frost or freeze had come and I wanted to get those scraggly, you know, dead things up. I walked out there to, to grab it and I, and I wasn't thinking I was in a hurry. I kind of grabbed it as I was walking by and I, I went to pull, there were three or four of them up, went to pull it, the first one up. And, I, and that thing just about yanked me back down because I, I was walking by. I was going to grab it and keep on walking and just do boop, boop, boop and throw them uh, all away. Well, it had sunk down so deeply, it was, just wasn't quite that simple because the roots were down deep. And, and I know that, but I wasn't thinking about it in that, in that moment. Well, what God wants to do in our lives is for us to sink roots down so deeply through the power of His Spirit and the power of His love and to produce fruit that it's just like that tomato plant that you can't hardly pick them fast enough if a tomato is healthy. They just keep on coming. Well, God wants that spiritually in our lives. So this, this spring and this summer as you're going through your garden or your yard or you're riding down the street and you see those those things that produce so much stuff, like tomatoes and squash. Ask yourself this question. Is the fruit in my life as prolific as those tomatoes and squash are that are coming off of those plants? Because God wants me to produce 30, 60, or 100-fold. And if I'm not doing that, then the problem is that I'm not abiding in Christ and allowing my roots to go down deep and the vine Jesus Christ to flourish in my life, and I'm not a fruitful branch. 
And then the next prayer is, God, I don't want you to, I don't want you to remove me. I want you to prune me. I want the fruit to come on me so much that you've got to prop me up because it's, I'm heavy with fruit. God, please do that in my life. Because, see, he really promises that he will. That when we abide in him, he'll give us everything we ask. And what we ask is going to be different. It's going to be to glorify him and not us. And when the fruit comes, that's just all the more praise. Because he is, as we sang a little bit earlier, he is a good, good father. Bow with me together as we pray, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, as, as we look this morning at, at the vine and, and what you do, and, and we think about producing fruit. God, there, there are times in our lives when we let the cares of this world or the pursuit of, of worldly things choke out your word in our lives. There are other times when, when we haven't put down roots deeply. We, our lives basically are rocky soil. And we wither in the hard times. And God, there are other times in our lives that we, we allow the, your word just sit there and lie there dormant. We don't, nothing happens because of us, how hard we are. And God, we don't want that. We want you to flourish in our lives. And we want the fruit to be so abundant that you have to prop us up and tie us up. And God, we we want to bring you intense glory. So we pray this morning that in our lives you'd have your way and and you'd dig deep where you need to dig deep. That you would would prop up and strengthen where you need to do that. And that God, as fruit comes, people would see it. Just like we look at a, a vine riding down the road and they'd see what you do in our lives and it'd bring you glory. Just like a farmer at the, at the state fair gets glory by their crop. God, we want you to get glory through our lives. So we surrender them to you as we offer this prayer in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our hymn of invitation and commitment this morning is, I am His, He is mine, abiding in Him. So as we sing, this is an opportunity for you to respond. The altar is open for you to come and to kneel here. I'll be at the front to receive you. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is the day to do it. What a great way to start a summer is to bow before the Lord. First Sunday of summer. So as we sing, as the Holy Spirit moves you, answer Him now. Let's stand together. Hymn 336, I am His, He is mine.